Going up your bill. I'm going to steal this spotlight just for a second. Spotlight. It's not a spotlight. Well, that is a spotlight. Um, hey, the choir needs you. I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, we are looking for members, new members to come and join us. So if there's anybody here that enjoys singing or enjoys fellowship or enjoys discipleship uh, or enjoys just hanging out with a bunch of crazy people, <laughs> yes, that's fellowship. Uh, and likes to worship the Lord, come join us on Wednesday night, 6.15 in the choir room. We would love to have you. We've got plenty of seats, so we've got plenty of room. So uh, anybody who's interested, please talk to me, talk to one of the choir members, uh, and come, come, uh, come take a visit. Thank you, Greg. And uh, you will be blessed to be a part of the Sanctuary Choir. And they meet on Wednesday night. And uh, to take part of that or be in the congregation and sing joyfully. My name is Bill Stone, pastor of Pastoral Care here, and I just want to say on behalf of all of your staff pastors, thank you so much for being here today. It's a blessing to get to worship with you. We had a great group in the 8 a.m. service this morning. You're in for a wonderful message from Brother Scott today as we've been studying the book of Genesis. And then also Nancy Knowlton and Crystal Taylor Young will be speaking some during the, after the offertory time about the Cookville Pregnancy Clinic and Hope Adoption Center. And those two uh, entities work hand in hand and we support them as, on a monthly basis, but we're highlighting them as part of our Pray, Give, Go. So how can you pray? Pray for ladies that are coming, getting free ultrasounds, choosing life for their babies, oftentimes when they see the ultrasound of their precious baby that they're carrying. And then also pray for the counselors that are, are giving guidance and helps for them. How can you give? Give monetarily, of course, but they need practical things such as diapers and diaper wipes, anything related to babies they need, high chairs, car seats, anything that you can give. And how can you go? You can go over there. They, they're in a new location right off of um, on uh, Dixie Avenue, close to the Tennessee Tech campus, which is a wonderful location. And uh, you can go and, and uh, just volunteer, uh, get some um, helps on how to counsel and help people. So those are some things that you can do for the Cookville Pregnancy Clinic. A couple of other announcements. Next Sunday, Discover First Baptist will be taking place after the service, so probably around 12 or 12.15, in the lobby area of the Family Life Center. It's a luncheon meeting, and it's for anyone, but especially for those that are thinking about joining First Baptist Church or who have recently joined, or you could be a long-term member and just want to come and fellowship and learn more about your church and some vision and things that we have going on. And you do need to make reservations by the 21st, if you don't mind, by calling the church office. There's also child care available by reservation. Then we've got a couple of things going on for the women's ministry and for the men's ministry. The first one is January 27th from 6 to 8, I believe, in the Fellowship Hall. That is Cultivate, and that's a wonderful opportunity for ladies of all ages to come together and um, share fellowship, food, and uh, biblical studies. The men on the next night, on January 28th, Six o'clock in the fellowship hall, we'll have beef and bacon. And this year I've been told the beef will be steak, not hamburgers. And bacon's bacon. So anyway, another time of eating and fellowship. So those are our announcements. Also look in your chronicles today for others. Now at this time, let me ask you to stand, please. Greet those around you. And if you see someone you don't recognize, introduce yourself. God bless you.
All right, good morning. Join in and singing this morning as we start out with Magnificent, Marvelous, Matchless Love. A lot of words to put in there, but what a great message of this song as we celebrate the love of Christ. Magnificent, marvelous, matchless love, too vast and astounding to tell. Forever existing in worlds above, now offered and given to all. O fountain of beauty eternal, the Father, the Spirit, the Son, sufficient and endlessly generous, magnificent, marvelous, matchless love. Creation is brimming with thankfulness, the mountains exultant they stand. The seasons rejoice in your faithfulness.
It's not that he looks at this church and says, I love that group of people. But he looks at me, he'll call you my name, and he loves you. He knows you. So let's continue on singing this morning with this next song, Good, Good Father. Oh, and I've heard a thousand stories of
us for your love. Because, Lord, as that last verse said, it is undeniable. Uh, Lord, we can hardly speak of it um, because it's hard to fathom the depth and the reach of your love. And, God, we thank you so much for it. For it, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that for us, Lord, who we are is just someone that you've created and you love. There's nothing special about us. There's nothing, uh, Lord, none of us are higher than anyone else. Lord, the, the foot of the cross is, is level. It's unbelievably level for us all to stand there uh, and be loved by you. So, God, I thank you. Thank you so much for that. And I thank you that that cross we can come to and we can understand your love because that's where you poured everything out for us so that we could have eternal life, Lord, that we could have a relationship restored with you, that we could receive your love in such a personal way. So this morning, Lord, as we continue on and sing this last song, Lord, may we reflect on the cross, on the old rugged cross. In Jesus' name, amen.
that old rugged cross or crown and then place that crown at your feet, Lord. Um, what a great moment that will be. Uh, but Lord, I thank you that, that we don't have to wait completely to experience your love and your grace, but we can choose to follow you now. Lord, a plan that you put in place before even time began. And Lord, as we're reading about it, as we read through the scriptures and, and in Genesis, uh, Lord, I think we, we covered uh, Jacob and Esau this week, Lord, and the struggles that took place between those two. Uh, Lord, we see that over and over and over through the Bible, just different things that take place. And we wonder, how did it ever work? But God, it worked because your hand was, was there directing and guiding everything going through. Uh, and you brought your plan to fruition to where we have uh, the culmination of that, that lineage in Jesus Christ and him dying for our sins. Uh, and, and Lord, if we give our hearts to you, we know you forever and ever and can experience your love. So, Lord, as we continue this morning, may the stories be more than stories. May they be narratives in our lives, Lord, as we read uh, your scriptures and your word. And, Lord, as we hear from Scott this morning, the message that you're giving to us through him, pray that our hearts would be receptive to what you have to say. And, Lord, you would change our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Uh, we, I'll tell you, we, we did cover some ground this week in the Bible. I hope you're reading with us through the, the Bible this year. Uh, we began last week, and uh, this is our second week reading. So if you haven't begun with us, it's okay. Jump on board this week. There's a reading plan out in the, in the lobby. We'd love to give you one today and, and uh, help, you, help you have a, a process by which to follow. We'll be reading the same text together, and every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, we'll be covering those texts that we're reading. So to be fresh to us, we'll, we'll read together, we'll, we'll walk through the scriptures together, we'll preach the scriptures, and, and study them together in small groups. And oh my gracious, there sure was a whole lot of stuff to cover this week. I, I'm like, uh, just, just thinking about what all we looked at, and the, the, the stories that, that uh, show amazing work, the amazing redemptive work of God, just thinking through all that that we could, have, that we could talk about this morning. But I want to direct our attention to, uh, to Genesis chapter 12. To be our text for today, uh, at least the first one. We're going to go through uh, chapter 12, a couple verses there, chapter 15 and chapter 17 this morning. And we're going to look at uh, something so vital to the Christian faith and understanding of, uh, of the God that we know and, and have come to love. And I hope you have too, as you're here today. You know Jesus and you, you've experienced his work in your own life. But uh, we see a covenant God, and we're going to talk about God as a covenant God and how he, he began as a covenant God. He kept his covenant. He's an everlasting covenant God. You know, we look through, uh, if we just read through Genesis chapter 3 through 11, which we did last week, and we see where, where man just really, they really blew it, botched it up. And, and, and not just them. We have in our own lives, we've, we've fell short. We've sinned. We've, we've really missed the mark greatly. But we see, as, as we look through there, we see Adam and Eve disobey God. And we see that disobedience lead to Cain and Abel and the murder of Abel. We see that the wickedness prevailed to the point that God looked down upon his created order and, and said, you know what, we're just going to flood the earth and we're going to take, uh, take Noah and his family and, and we're going to walk through the process of rebuilding because this world has gone so far. So he, he cleansed the whole world with a flood and, and, and Noah got drunk on the backside of that and, and then men came together and began 
began to build a city for themselves and that they could make a name for themselves. And you can see the pride just rise up in that. And I'll tell you, as we read the Old Testament, you, you may think, well, that's the Old Testament. There's not much in it for me. But I'm telling you, that sounds like something out of the newspaper last week. I mean, you're, you're talking about uh, a d- disobedience and murder and wickedness and drunkenness and rebellion and pride. I mean, we can see that on the headlines all across America today. We don't have to look far to miss uh, to see that. We, we can't miss it. I mean, it's so evident in our world today. But I want to talk with you this morning about a redemption. God who, who looks down on, on a mess of a situation in their lives in that day, but in our lives as well today, and says, you're worth redeeming, and he makes a difference in Abram's life, and we're going to see the journey from Abram to Abraham. So if you will stand with me, let's read God's Word together. We'll look at three things this morning that will come out of this text, and the three texts we'll read. The first thing I want to look at is the promising God that we have as as our creator, not only the promising God, but the protector God as he protects Abram and he protects us. And also I want to look at the providing God that we have before us today. So Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And so shall be a blessing. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Father, we thank you for your word. The text of scripture that we come upon this morning that reveals to us uh, very clearly, God, that you are a covenant God. I pray, Father, as we stand before you this morning, as we sit in the presence of your word, Lord, that it would just touch our hearts, bring transformation to our lives. Lord, it wouldn't just be a story that's told, a a sermon that's preached, but God, it'd be life transforming for us. We would take your word, we'd take the truths that we learned from your word this morning, we would apply them to our life this week, and we'd see you at work in our life. Father, have your will, have your way in our life right here today, Father. Thank you for appointing this time for us to come together and, and, and preserving this time that we could come and worship you and, and be free to worship you this morning. What a privilege that is. I also, God, ask you to anoint me with your hand. Lord, I, I want to speak truths of your word. I want to share the love that you have for us this morning. But I, I depend upon the anointing that comes from you to touch the hearts of the people whom you love. So, Father, move in our midst this morning. You are King, you are, you are Lord Supreme, and you are worthy of all of our praise. And we ask this in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen. <clears throat> so we see here, uh, right, right from the very beginning, we see on the hills, I, I got to add, I forgot to say this this morning, the first service, we got we to recognize in Genesis chapter 11, they set out to build a place. For themselves, they, they wanted to build a name for themselves. Wanted to be able to build a city, something they would be recognized by. And, and right here in chapter twelve, we see God looking at Abram, and He says to him, He says, "I want you to go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house, to a land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make a make your name great. I'll make your name great." He's saying. 
And so he's, he's looking upon Abram, and, and he, he's, he's a promising God, and we see the promise of God come forth in Genesis chapter 12. We see it laid out right before us that, that God is a God of promise, but his promise comes with a command. He tells Abram, he says, now go, you've got to get up, you're in the land of the Chaldeans, you're in Ur, okay, you live in a place that is, that's distanced from where I'm going to have you, but I want you to rise up right now, and I want you to leave your land, I want you to leave your relatives, I want you to leave your father's house, everything, Abram, that you know, I want you to leave and put behind you because I've got something before you. So we see the command for him to go forth, leave all of that behind him, and go to a place he's never seen. I mean, you know, Abram didn't have the opportunity to Google Canaan. And see what Canaan looked like. He, he didn't have Google Maps. He, he didn't have a Rand McNally. Many of you in here don't even know what that is. But he didn't have one of those books of maps. He, he had no idea where he was going when he set out in faith that God had called and said, You go. I, I'm going I'm to do something in you, Abram. And I'm going to make a difference in your life. I'm going to provide a way for you. I'm going to make a covenant with you. And my covenant comes with a command for you to get up and go. Leave Ur, the Chaldeans. Leave this place that is pagan, has the worldly influences in which it does, that has shaped your mind, that has built your life to this point, and come under submission of me as God and leader. And I'm going to carry you to a place you've never seen. That, that takes great faith for any of us to go somewhere we've never been, do something we've never done, leave everything we know behind us. I mean, if we, if we go now, it's easy for us to think about, man, 700 miles is nothing. I can jump in my car today, get on I-40 and hit 70 miles an hour, and in 10 hours I would have gone 700 miles. That doesn't seem like a big feat. I can get on an airplane today, and I can go all the way to the other side of the world in about 24 hours of travel with delays and everything. That would, that's not a big deal. I mean, for me and my mindset, go 700 miles doesn't mean much, but you saddle up your camel and you put all your worldly possessions on them and you hike on down from Ur to Canaan. I mean, we're talking about a journey here. You couldn't load all your possessions on a camel. You hung up right there, didn't you? I mean, isn't that true? But I mean, you think about that. We, we think about going 700 miles doesn't mean much to us, but for, for this guy who had no clue where he was going, didn't know where Canaan land was, how he was going to get there, he had to have a lot of faith. He had to trust God. And, and this is a God, now, he didn't have a lot of spiritual giants in his life who had, had taught him the, the value of trusting God, who he had seen a lot of illustrations of godliness. This, this guy had never seen that before. He lived in Ur of the Chaldeans. He lived in the pagan land. He, he didn't have all these good examples in his life that you and I may have. He had the world, the worldliness, and all these things going on in his mind. And, and now he's, he's hearing these things. And I mean, if a sane man were sitting by him, say, you're hearing things, Abram. But Abram knows there's more to it. He knows he's got a call on his life. And he's going to see all this play out. And praise God, Abram was a man of faith. I, I praise God that his obedience and his faith in God was, and it was counted to him as righteousness. He had faith in God to go. So we see that, that first the covenant comes with a command. And not only is the, the covenant promise come as a, with a command, it is a covenant. And we got to say, what is a covenant? 
Well, I want you to get this because it's one of the greatest spiritual truths that, that you have to have and solidify in your life as a believer. We have to understand what a covenant is. Fully, what is a covenant of God? A covenant is a, a, it's, it's an agreement between two people or groups of people that involves a promise on each other's part. It, it is that. It, it's, a, it's a promise on each other's part. It's an agreement. It's, it's, it's that, this truth of, that they'll, they'll walk through together. And, and God put this together as a covenant for Abram, but it meant that there would be a covenant people that would gather around this covenant, and it meant that there would be a covenant land that would be there, and, and they would walk through this together. So we see God accomplishing a worldwide purpose through one man, and it started with an agreement. A covenant is not complex. There's another thing we see about this. There's three verses that I read you this morning that contained the essence of the covenant between God and Abram. Get up, go, I'm going to send you somewhere you've never been, and I'm going to do some stuff for you. I'm going to make you a, a nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to, I'm going to make your, your seed is going to be spread throughout all the land. There's going to be a people. He goes on to tell them later, the sand on the seashore will not even equate to the amount of people that are going to come from you. The, the stars in the heavens will, can't, can't contain the number of the people in perspective that will come from you. So God's telling him, and, and Abram understands this, but it's not complex. It's very simple. And, uh, you know, if we were to get together and put a covenant together right now between me and you, we'd have to hire us a lawyer probably. And, and that's a good thing because in the world of deception we live in today, if we're going to make an agreement together, we've we got to have some legal documents. We've got to kill a tree. <laughs> we, we'll stack it up pretty deep, sign a bunch of papers. And if you bought a house recently or any time in the past, you understand what I'm talking about. Boy, you can sign away your life. But you've got to sign so many times it takes a lot of papers. Because why? Because people are deceptive. But God makes a very simple, not a complex covenant between he and Abram. And, and this is what he establishes his covenant on. Notice in this text right here that five times... God says the same thing. He says, I want you to go to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you. So he's saying five times there we see that God says, I will. The covenant is very simple. It's not complex. It, It does have a command, and it is a promise between he and Abram. He's saying, I will do these things. So God makes it very simple. And and we also, if you flip back in your Bible to chapter 9 of Genesis, I I want to show you something about a covenant here this morning that we can always go back to that is consistent in every covenant that God makes, okay? Chapter 9 gives us an insight to covenants. says in verse 9, says, Now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you. Okay, I myself, this is God speaking, do establish my covenant with you. So we see right there that the covenant is divine in its origin. It's God. He says, I myself will establish 
my covenant. It's my covenant. It's, it's me doing it. It is divine. God is divine. We talked last week about He is spectacular creator. He is supreme ruler. He is sovereign judge. And He is savior and redeemer of the world. And because He is the spectacular creator and the sovereign judge, because He's the supreme ruler, He then can make a covenant that sticks because He created this place. So we see this God come before Abram and He's telling him, man, I'm, I'm going to present my covenant to you, and I'm going to make this covenant. And not only does he say that in understanding that it's all divine, the covenants that he makes are divine by nature. If we look in verse 16 of that same text, we see that he talks about this bow. He says, when the bow is in the cloud, I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. What do we learn about that? What do we learn about covenants from that statement? Covenants of God are divine, yes, and they are everlasting. He says, my covenant is everlasting. When I make a covenant, I'm good for it, and it's good for all time. I'm making a covenant that is everlasting before you. And we we see that, that that's an aspect of a covenant. We will learn one more thing about a covenant. Look with me in verse 13. It says, I set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and you on the earth. You know, we can all go back in our minds right now, and we can see the covenant God is a covenant-keeping God. We've watched at the end of a storm you've 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 seen a, the sun peek back through the clouds and you've looked and there's a rainbow in the air you are seeing the the proof the foundation that that, that god is a covenant keeping god and he's continued to keep that covenant. this is the noadic covenant that he made with noah he said hey boys i flooded this earth I wiped out all the wickedness, and I've set you to be the people who repopulate this earth. And I'm telling you that I've done that. I'll never do that again. I'll never wipe out all humanity by a flood again. And I'm going to put a rainbow in the air, and that'll be a covenant sign for you and I that, that this is my lasting eternal covenant, that I will not flood the earth. And that covenant is there. We still see that covenant today. I think it's so cool when we see a rainbow. We can look over there and see that God's still keeping his covenant. We were riding down the road one day, my son and I, and and, and we were just passing through a storm, and we came out the other side, and it was, was, there was just this the most vivid rainbow that I can remember in my life seeing. And it, it stretched from sky to sky, in to end. It was beautiful. And we were, we were riding, and I looked earlier, and, and Sam said, God's still promising, Daddy. I was like, yeah, yeah, son. That's good stuff when, when you recognize God's not quit promising. God's still promising. His covenant is still good for us. And we see that about a covenant with God. So it's not complex, but it is conditional. If you look back in verse 1 of chapter 12, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth. Here's, here's the condition. The condition on which this covenant was made on was that, Abram, you'd go forth. See, God didn't say, Hey, Abram, you hang out here in Ur and I'll make this work. I mean, that's what you like. That's comfortable to you. You just hang out. We don't know what, Moses, I mean, what uh, Abram's life was like. We don't have a clue. I don't know whether he was in business and the grass was green on his side of the fence. I don't know what his family relations were like. I don't know all that stuff. You don't. 
perspective, we don't have the, the context nor the text to support that. But what we do know is that God looked at Abram and he said, I want you to go. And the covenant that I'm going to make with you is dependent upon you getting up and leaving Ur of the Chaldeans, this pagan land, and going in surrender to me and trusting me to lead you. Y'all, there's so much in that for me and you. That we, we're not, we don't always have the plan laid out before us. I, I love a business plan. I love, I love to know what's going to happen. I, I, I don't like surprises as much, well, I do, but I don't like them as much as knowing what's going to happen in my life. And when, when you're talking about big decisions, I don't like to be caught off guard. But here, Noah, I mean, Abram, he didn't have a clue how this was going to work out. He had to get up and he had to walk out of everything that was secure and known to him. And he had to trust God. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll never make it far in a relationship with God if we don't trust him. We've got to be obedient. He's a covenant-making God. And as a covenant-making God, he's called us to be obedient to him and trust him. Oh, what faith Abram had to display to get up and leave everything he had known, walk away from it, and trust God. I, just in your life, if, if you are sitting here today and you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you've surrendered your life. I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about you are engaged in a personal intimate relationship with Jesus. It means that you at some point in your life came to the end of you and your plan and you surrendered to God's plan, said, I'm going to trust you. I'm not in control. I'm going to step off my throne, God, and I'm going to look up to you and praise you as king. And you put him in the right place and you trusted him. That's what life's about with Christ. So many people want to control life. Want to control every aspect of life. Want to determine everything about their destiny. And, and Abram didn't have that opportunity. He had to, if he was going to live in this covenant, it was conditional upon him surrendering his life, trusting God. So he had to walk away from everything he'd known. He, but he claimed it. He, we, we know that uh, it wasn't complex. It was conditional. But he claimed it. He claimed the promise of God. He went out and he, he looked for everything that God had told him. I mean, he went out and searching it out. And he, he walked all over Canaan land. And God said, where your foot is trod, that's where you'll be. So you're a sojourner here, but this is where, this is the land that I'm going to give you. I'm going to present it to you. But in the process of receiving that, he did have some issues. Things were not perfect. I mean, he, he experienced some tests, some temptation, and some tribulation. And my life and your life is going to have its share of tests, temptations, and tribulations. I mean, here, here we got we got an Abram leaving a place that was probably pretty comfortable to him. He got over there, and he, he encountered a famine. I mean, there was no food. He had to go to Egypt. But if we, as we read this week, we got into chapter 13, and we know that when he came out of that land and came back into Canaan land, God reiterated, reaffirmed that covenant, that covenant that he had put before him. said, I'm, I'm going to take care of you. I, I, all this is yours. So there's, there's things, life is not always easy. And you know that, and I know that. It's not always simple. And for Abram, it wasn't simple. But what was complete in his life was he had, a, he had a God in heaven who spoke in his heart and said, I'm sufficient, I'm going to make a promise, you follow hard after me, 
and I'll make a way. And he did. And we, we see clearly how God did that. And um, we, we, we see that, that God is a God of promise, and it comes through a covenant right here. I want you to flip over in Genesis chapter 15 with me. And, and I want you to, I just want to read a verse or two here for you. It says in verse 1, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. Don't miss this, church. I am a shield to you. Your reward will be very great. So we've got Abram who has walked with God. He, he's left Ur, the Chaldeans. He's moved into a, a region that was unknown to him. He's experienced some, some testing, some, some trials and some temptations. and some, he, He's had some tribulation in his life. Things have not been perfect and easy, but he is still trusting God. And, and he is standing there and God's telling him, say, Abram, I'm going to be a shield for you. I'm going to be your shield. This really clicked with Abram. He had just gone up against four kings in chapter 14. And God had delivered them to him. This is Abram, guys. He doesn't have a mighty army. He's not the, the leader of great armies and great nations at this point in time. He, he's Abram. He doesn't even have a son yet. And he, he's walking through life, trusting God, and there's battles in front of him. And God delivers these kings in his hand. God says to him, says, Abram, I'll be your shield. All oh, we need to trust in God to be our shield. You, you know Joshua. I hope you do. I hope you read the book of Joshua. What a, an amazing book that is. We see where Joshua, he becomes the lead nation of Israel, and as he's, as he's leading, God says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. I'll go before you and fight the battles. And every time Joshua got under God's authority and followed hard after God, God let out, Joshua faced some amazing armies that were bigger than the armies of Israel. They should have just annihilated Israel. But God went before them. And God took them out. He said, I'll be a shield to you. The time that they dropped their shield and went out on their own to Ai, it was a bloody battle mess. And they come back with their tails tucked between their legs. I'm telling you, when we, when we run with God as our, as our banner, when we run under God's banner with Him as our shield, we'll have success. It's when we get out on our own and do our own thing and say, I've got this, God. Mm-mm. You'll find out. You don't got this. He tells us in Ephesians, he said that uh, we need to put on the armor of God. And the armor includes the shield. We all need the shield. The shield of faith that comes in Christ and Him being our Lord and our Savior. And we need that shield. Abram needed that shield. He needed to understand that shield was important for him. And, and he got it. I want you to see how he responds in verse 2. Abram said... To God, who says, I am a shield to you. Abram said to him, with the, with the last moments in his mind about how he had just defeated these four kings, Abram said to him, O Lord God. Let me just pause right there. O Lord God. What he's saying, the Hebrew word there is Adonai. That may not sound big to you, but Abram knew what it meant. Adonai. Adonai means sovereign, God. You're, you're sovereign. You're, you're bigger than anything in this world, God. You are sovereign, Adonai. 
He says, I, I got it. I trust you. I trust you to be my shield. I've got faith in you. I depend on you. I've been led by you. I've made it this far with you. I don't want to go at this alone. I don't want to walk out on my own. I want to trust in you. And by faith, Abram allows God to be his Adonai. Now, he had experienced sometimes, and we'll see other times in his life where he experienced that he kind of took the reins in his own hands. Have you, have you ever done that? Like you kind of took control for the moment, figured you wanted to drive for a minute. A- Abram did that with Sarah. I mean, they, they, hey, she's my sister. He lied a couple of times and was deceptive, and that didn't work out real good at all. He learned some lessons along the way. You know, he, uh, he even took it in his own hands at times to figure out a way to help God out. You ever tried to help God out? Come on, church. You know you have. I mean, I understand God's purpose and, and His promise, but I want to help Him out a little bit and get on down the road. We want to hurry things up. Hagar. Remember Hagar? Yeah. Handmaid. Boy, we're getting old here, Sarah. We better hurry up and make something happen. If we don't, I'm going to be past this age. We're going to be in a mess. I saw it. We'll get us a baby this way, man's way, not God's way. We've all done that. We've tried to do it our way. We've tried to provide for ourselves and, and figure it out and be our own protector of the, the promise. God doesn't need us to protect the promise. He's big enough to do that. We'll see that in a moment. But God comes down and he sits with uh, Abram and he makes this covenant sure. See, there was, a, there was a history then in that day when there was a covenant, when there was a contract, when there was something that was agreed upon by two parties. But if it was a serious deal, what they would do is they would gather up some animals and they'd cut them animals in half. And they'd pass between those animals. I want you to read with me in chapter 15, verse 17. I, I want to kind of pick up in the middle of that story. It says here in verse 17, It came about when the sun had set that it was very dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between these pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the, ri- from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. God is saying, I, I've done this. I've established this. This is a divine covenant. I'm the provider of the covenant, I, and I'm going to seal this covenant. If I want to show you, just to kind of pull all this together, look at Jeremiah. It's going to be on the screen for you. Jeremiah chapter uh, 34, verse 18 says this. I'll give the men who have transgressed my covenant, who have not, fulfill, not fulfilled the words of the covenant, which they made before me, when they cut the half in two and passed between its parts, the officials of Judah and the officials of Jerusalem, the court officers and the priests and all the people of the land who passed between the parts of the calf, I will give them into the hand of their enemies and into the hand of those who seek their life, and their dead bodies will be food for the birds of the sky and the beasts of the earth. We gain a greater understanding of what's happening here as we read further in the text. But what, just in, in general, what's happening, very specifically, Abram was told by God, go collect some animals. You get a three-year-old heifer, you get a, you get a, a three-year-old goat, you get all this together, and you, you get these other animals, you pull them all together, you get these birds of prey, I mean these birds, and, and you put them out there. You don't split the birds, but you do the animals, and you do that, split them in halves, and the birds of prey came down and tried to consume this sacrifice, and... Uh, Abram run him off. He fell into a deep sleep. It got very dark. 
And uh, when he woke, it was very dark, and a flaming torch in an oven appeared before him. That was the presence of the Almighty God, is how he, he related the presence of God as he came. And God literally passed through these halves. Now, what does that mean? What was being said to Abram? What's being said to me and you and what was said in that day in that contractual agreement when somebody passed through the halves was they, they were saying this, if I fail to complete my covenant promise to you, may I be like these torn limb to limb. May I be separated as these are. God, God passed through those halves. And what God was saying to Abram is, man, I've made a promise. And I'll pass through and show you how serious I am about my covenant with you. God made that covenant with Abram. If you, if you read this, don't, don't miss this. The, the other contracts in the day were sealed by both parties walking through. Abram didn't walk through. It wasn't Abram's covenant with God. It was God's covenant with Abram. Man fails at his covenant, and we see that time and time again. The, command, the covenant contract promise we make, we see the, the failure of that in Christ. Sat on a cross on Calvary, arm stretched left, arm stretched right, blood dripping on the ground. He shed his blood for you and I. He took the sin and shame of this world because we failed at our contractual promise to God. We've sinned and fallen short of his glory. But praise Jesus, he paid the penalty for our sin. So we see God taking the brunt of what Jeremiah 34, verse 18 through 20 says. So we've got, a, we've got a God of promise who's a covenant God. We've, we've got a, a God who, who delivers on that, that, uh, that promise and, and uh, he, he provides the way. And I want to talk about how he provides. Look at verse, uh, chapter 17 with me, verse 1. Chapter 17 of Genesis. We're covering a lot of ground today, aren't we? Y'all all right? I take a breath. <laughs> Good stuff. Chapter 17, Abram and God are there and says this. Now, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. God's calling him to be blameless, be, be participating in this process to live as a channel where blessing can flow. He says, verse 2, he says, I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will, make, I will make nations of you and kings will come forth from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you. Throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. To be God to you and to your descendants after you. So we hear this covenant 
reiterate it again to Abram. I love the fact that here's Abram. He's never walked with God. He's never seen the examples of this or with somebody else. And God's telling him again and again, man, I'm going to do this. I've got this. You follow after me. Abram, I want you to be a man who positions yourself where my blessings can flow from me to you and to your generations. I want you to position yourself continually in righteousness. He's desiring that of him. He's calling him to that. But we see that God is the provider when it seems most unlikely God moved in Abram's life. Twenty-five years had passed since God told him, I'll make you a great nation. I'll I'll bring descendants from you. And he's held on to that promise. Now, he had tried his own way uh, ten years earlier with Hagar, and that that wasn't working out. I mean, he wanted God to use Ishmael. But God said, that's man's solution to a God issue. I made this covenant with you. I'll take care of this. And he looks at Abram and says, you're 99 years old. I got it. But I'm going to do something that only I can do through you and Sarah. In fact, I'm going to change your name. And I'm going to take you from being Abram, which means in the Hebrew, exalted father. God had exalted him out of Ur of the Chaldeans, brought him before this land, and made a promise to him, a covenant promise. He was exalted before God. He said, I'm going to take you from being the exalted father to be the father of the multitude of nations, which is what Abraham means. He said, I'm going to make you Abraham, and I'm going to make a difference in your life. I just need you to follow hard after me, keep your focus on me, and I'll do something amazing through you. God changed his name. He he brought forth the promise, and and God is truth. He brings fruitfulness from him, and and it's amazing. And they seal this with circumcision as man's response to God's covenant. We see that as we continue to read through chapter 17. So let's just focus here for a second, folks. What what does this mean? It's good information. I I get it. It's, It's good stuff. But what does that mean for me? What does that mean for you? God is still today a God of promise. He's still promising. He's good for his promises. He's an everlasting God who has an everlasting covenant. He took Abraham and he made him the father of nations. And he brought forth from him kings, King David and King Jesus. And he's still promising today that all who go to the, and look upon the old covenant and see the new covenant in Christ can surrender their life to him and be saved. So he's a God of promise. He is a covenant God in your life and my life. He says, all that call upon my name shall be saved. He is a covenant-keeping God, a God of promise. But not only that, he's a, he's a protector. He's a, he, he will protect your life. He protects my life. He's a God of promise, but he's a God of protection. He's our shield he goes before us. When we, when we go with him, he'll never carry us anywhere that he won't go. Where, where can I go that God isn't when he resides in me and I have his strength to walk every day? He's our shield. Not only is he our promise, our protector, he is our provider. He's provided so much for you, so much for me. He longs to enjoy that intimacy of a relationship with you. Folks, I, I'm grateful that we've got a covenant-keeping God. I'm grateful that I can look upon Abram's life and see where he journeyed from the land of Chaldeans, this place that 
unlikely for someone to come from. I came from unlikely circumstances. You came from unlikely circumstances. We all have. But we came not on our own, but under the love, grace, and mercy of a promising God who says, I'm going to do something through you. He tells Abram, he says, I'm going to, I'm going to do something through you that's going to affect all the people of the world. God's going to do something through you and me with a surrendered life that will affect all the people that we ever come in contact with when we're surrendered to him because he's a promising God. His covenant's strong and sure. He's a protecting God. He's a providing God. I'm going to lead us in a time of invitation. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you, you can know him. He, he's done all this for you. He longs for a relationship with you. There's, there's nothing that separated us too far from God. You might have tried man's way. Let's try God's way. I, want, I just ask you to come forward and tell us today if you, if you want to make a decision for Christ, we'd love to walk through that with you. Had three get saved last week. What an amazing time it is to see God work in hearts and salvation happen in this, in this place. And we're going to also be here if you want to talk about church membership or if you're looking at something else going on in your life you'd like to talk about, the altars are open, you come pray. But I'm going to lead us in a, in a prayer if you will stand with me and you move as God leads during the invitation time. Father, we love you. We thank you for your love. Thank you for the privilege to come here this morning and be able to engage in this time of worship and now into the time of response to your word, what you've called us to. You're an, you're an awesome God, a promising God, a God who protects and a God who provides. Help us to embrace you as that God this morning. In Christ's name, amen. You move as God leads. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation here. Your time, folks.
pray with me, church. Gracious Heavenly Father, you're the God of God of life, the God of love. You've created us in your in your image. You sent your Son to to give us life. And I pray this morning that you just instill the instill the the importance of life from conception to natural death. Lord, I just pray that you can open our eyes, you know, our minds, our hearts, our hands, that we can would be able to preserve and protect life in any way we can. I pray this morning for our offering, Lord. I pray that uh, you just use it, bless it uh, throughout the world. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. While our uh, deacons are passing the plates for the offering, I want to talk with you and invite two guests on the stage with me. Uh, Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday in our church. We celebrate the sanctity of life every time we get together. We value life. God values life. Uh, We are made in His image. And I want to welcome to the stage this morning Miss Nancy Knowlton, who Nancy is the uh, coordinator leader of the uh, Cookville Pregnancy Clinic, and she has been there for 25 years as their director, uh, ministry that's been ongoing in our community. Amen. A ministry that's been ongoing in our community now for 32 years, and this church had a play in that from the very beginning with other churches. I am so grateful to God for what he is doing through uh, the, the Cookville Pregnancy Clinic. I've got two questions. I also, let me go ahead and introduce Miss Taylor, Taylor here. <laughs> Listen to me. See, I knew that was going to happen when they did that earlier. Miss Young, this is Crystal Young, Taylor Young, so you may know Cliff, Cliff and Lynn Taylor, and she's their daughter, and she's, this is home to her too. And uh, she uh, worked with a team of us a couple, about started a couple years ago, and we uh, worked together with others around the community to start a place that we could house adoptions in our community. Hope Center for Adoption is now a viable operation and and a a ministry in our community because of Miss Crystal and Jamie and several other people. And I'm grateful for both of these ministries. I've got two questions I'm going to ask this morning to each of the ladies. And I'll start with you, Miss Nancy. Uh, we, we talk about sanctity of human life, the value of human life. The reason we value it is because God created us in His image. And I believe, and I, I stand with the church to say that all life is valuable from, the, from before conception, but especially from conception until the last breath Amen. that's naturally taken on this earth. Amen. So let me ask you, Miss Nancy, why should we be, as Christians, why should we be pro-life? Amen. Well, we should be... I didn't cut it on. Hold on, my bad. Let me get you going here. Now Boy, we're good. So loud, I yes. Anyway. <laughs> Use the mic. <laughs> there you go. We should be pro-life as the church because Jesus is pro-life. Amen. Because the God, the Creator of the entire universe, is pro-life. That's right. He is so for life. He loves every individual who is ever created. Is special to God. Psalms 139. You have made all the delicate inward parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. I said this morning, I sure am complex, and I'm just so thankful that he made me. I think we all are. (laughs) Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. 
You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. That's what the Lord says about life. How precious. How precious you are, even from the womb. It's even even before you were created in your womb. In Jeremiah, it says, Jeremiah 1.5 of Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as the prophet of the nations. You know, God, life is precious to God. But it even is more serious than that, why we as the church should be pro-life. If you look at Proverbs 6, 17, 6, 16 and 17, 16 says, the Lord hates six things. In fact, seven are detestable to him. Verse 17 says, one of those seven things are hands that shed innocent blood. Mm -hmm. And what can be more innocent than that precious little baby growing in the womb? That's right. And we see those little babies. We see two of them in in the New Testament. It's so beautiful when you look at Luke, the first chapter. And you see, here's Mary who has been conceived of the Holy Spirit. Look, Jesus is growing inside of Mary, and she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who's six months pregnant with John the Baptist. And the Bible tells us, it's so cool, the Bible tells us that um, Elizabeth, when she heard the voice of her Lord's mother, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then John the Baptist leaped in his mama's womb at the voice of his Lord's mother. Isn't that the coolest thing? Amen. Two little unborn children. Yeah. And you know what? God They're having is, a party inside the are. womb, aren't they? They are. Yeah, I mean, that's good so stuff. God is not only pro-life. Jesus is pro-abundant life. That's right. He says, I've come to give you life and give it more abundantly. That's right. And so Jesus... He cares about the woman in crisis. He does. He cares about the daddy in crisis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, y'all do too. Because 32 years ago, this is the church that started the Crisis Pregnancy Center. And now we're the Cookville Pregnancy Clinic. And, you know, we've seen thousands and thousands and thousands of little babies are alive today because Mm -hmm. you cared enough. And I'm telling you, it makes such a difference in this world. You are making a difference in this world. Life is precious to Jesus, those mamas and those babies. And we had 1,776 client visits last year at the Cookville Pregnancy Center. Amen. That's good stuff. Isn't that fun? All of them received the love of Jesus. And you know what? That one little boy, I saw, I was picking up my grandbaby, and I saw one of our mamas, and she introduced me to her son, who is standing there, who's eight years old. And she goes, do you know, this is Miss Nancy. She's the first person who ever saw you. Aww. That's what you do. Yep. And that's why the church should be pro-life. Amen. That's good. Well, you, you hand it to Crystal. I'll be good. But, we're, you know, we are a pro-life because God's pro-life. And, uh, Crystal, you know, if we're going to be pro-life, and we're going to inform people that when a baby is conceived, no matter what the circumstances, there's a, a baby that's been conceived. God understands all of that, and he saw fit for that baby to be conceived. And there are families that, and, and even individuals, that they find themselves in that situation, and they just do not see how they could ever form a family at that time in their life, that stage in their life. So we as a church have to have a response to that. 
And our response was birthed in the scriptures, and, and adoption is the most beautiful response we could ever have. So uh, we started uh, not long ago as a group of folks uh, in this community who were concerned, Hope Center for Adoption, and Crystal has been the leader of that along with Jamie Thornsbury, and we're grateful for their, their ministry. But let me ask you a question, Jamie, uh, I mean, Jamie, Crystal. If, if that be the case that we're supposed to be pro-life, why should we be pro-adoption? Well, you know, you, you answered that question. I did. I didn't mean to take so, your thunder. That's okay. That's okay. Um, as you said, just the picture of adoption that we see through Scripture, um, we see in Ephesians, we see in Galatians where Paul talks about this adoption, our adoption as sons. And adoption through Scripture we know was God's intentional choice towards us as humanity. It is how he redeemed humanity. And so with adoption you have families that are stepping into making a very intentional choice to step into a place to support a family that cannot parent a child. Um, most of the families that come to us on the birth parent side are not in a good place in life. They are not in a place where they can afford housing, transportation. So you have that stress, and then you have the stress of, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. <laughs> how, I can't even support myself, so how can I support another individual? And so adoption, it's such a life-affirming choice for our expectant moms, our expectant dads, and for the families that step into that realm with them to support them, they are affirming that parent's decision. They are celebrating that decision. Our birth mothers that we work with, so many of them have said, I have never shared my story with anybody. I placed a child 40 years ago. I have never told anyone that I did that. So to be a place, to, to have a platform, to have a voice, and to share that story, and to share the hope of adoption, that's just such a beautiful thing. And so it, it's just, as a church, supporting men and women that do that, supporting families on the adoptive parent side, supporting birth moms, birth dads well. That's something that you as a church already do so well, um, and you have continued to do with Hope Center. And we're just so thankful and so honored to be here in our community that we get to do, do this ministry every day, day in and day out. So. That's good. Well, um, y'all are two amazing agencies, but you don't work alone. You work together. So why don't you just share how that looks? I know that we've had some adoptions through Hope, and we have many birth families right now who are waiting uh, for that special child to be placed in their home. But tell me how y'all work together. I tell you, I love, love that Hope Center is here in Cookville. So for all these 30, 31 years that we've been there, when we have a, a precious birth mom that is considering adoption, you know, we've had to call Nashville. We've had to call an adoption agency, and there could be many days that that could happen and uh, before they would even uh, be able to come into contact. And the cool thing about having Hope Center here in Cookville is that now our counselors, like there, there's so many beautiful volunteers that, that work with us at the Cookville Pregnancy Clinic here. Now, I mean, I, we literally can when a birth mom is open, even a small bit, to hear about the adoption option. Now, I mean, we can literally just call Crystal or Jamie on the phone and hand the phone to our client. And that really happened mm -hmm. recently. We had, a, we had a mom who came that was, fear, was, was thinking abortion was her only choice when she saw her beautiful baby by way of ultrasound. She turned from abortion to choose life. And our, our precious volunteer shared that adoption option. And she is so, so, was so wide open, ready to, to hear more about adoption. So they were able to just hand her the phone. And 
then um, now I'll hand the microphone to tell y'all what happened next. Sure. So w- within a very short amount of time, um, that mother was able to leave the CPC and come over to our agency the same, the, same the very same day within a matter of hours. Um, and she was able to choose a family. She was very adamant about, I want to make an adoption plan for my child. I had no hope going into this day of placing the child for adoption. What Didn't even know that it was an option for her. And so because of the work of Nancy and her wonderful volunteers and staff, that mama made her way to her office and chose a family that very day um, and left there feeling so relieved that now there was a plan for this child. There was a plan for this mother to be able to move forward with her life knowing, again, that she made the life-affirming choice of adoption. Now she's got both of us. That's right. It's a team. It's a team approach. And, and we team with these two agencies as a church. So when you, when you support <clears throat> through your tithes and offerings, First Baptist Church, Cookville, Tennessee, you're a part of Hope. You're a part of, <clears throat> you're a part of the CPC and the ministry there. There are many other ways we can be a part, but we are a part of that. And, and we're going to continue to be partnered with them. We were sitting down just kind of crafting some stuff together in my office the other day, and we wrote out two words. I wrote them on a piece of paper. Adoption, and it is the only option in my opinion. And under adoption, we wrote the word abortion. Diametrically different, east to west difference between those two words. There's only two letters difference in their spelling. Uh, I'd never noticed the same number of letters, the same order of letters, just two letter difference. Turn a B to a D and... Uh, and, you know, just you're almost there, you know, but they're so different. We said, wow, what a, what a message there is in that. And, and I understand that we've all lived in the world and under the world's influences. And there could be very likely here many people, men and women, who have walked through those kind of decisions under the influence of the world. And in the moment saw no hope, no choice, and they chose the way that we would say today is not the way. And, and you feel the guilt and the grief of that, and you, it's sometimes more than you can bear. I want to say that through Nancy and the, the love she has, because she's experienced this her very self, she has worked with a team of ladies and men who can bring people together and say, you know what, if you'll step up and say, I'm struggling with this, there's a solution. There is a Redeemer named Jesus who redeems all circumstances. And He is willing to redeem you from that and give you hope and, and, and redeem that moment. Amen. And He puts people in our lives like Nancy and the team. And what's that ministry called? It's called Deep, Deeper Still Upper Cumberland. It's our post-abortion ministry. Yes, Deeper Still ministers to men and women who have walked down a journey that they look at now and say, I wouldn't do that again, but I did it then. And uh, we get to minister to those families. So a lot of ministry here from all gamuts. We just do a lot of work together. I'm glad we can partner together. I want to pray a blessing over these two ladies and the ministries that we support as we uh, dismiss this morning. Grateful that we got to worship God together. If you're a guest here today, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'd love to meet you. I hope you filled out a blue card so I can pray for you. I know you by, at least by name on a card. I'd love to know you much more personally. If you're looking for a church home, I'd love to talk with you about that. I'll be in the Welcome Center so that we'll other pastors. We'd love to minister to you in any way we can. But let's pray for Nancy. Let's pray for Crystal and Jamie. Let's pray for the volunteers they have and the, the people that are surrounding them in ministry. This is not a ministry of two or three. It's a ministry of a community. And let's pray for them as we go forward. Father, thank you so much for Nancy. Thank you for the CPC and, and birthing that in this church. And 
with other churches, God, so many years ago that's, that's ministered in so many ways. I pray your continued hand, hand upon them and your hedge of protection around them. Be with moms and dads who are struggling right now to find hope. And, and Lord, I pray you guide them to their doors where they can hear a godly advice and love and be nurtured and encouraged and strengthened in their difficult situation. I pray, Father, for Crystal and Jamie as they lead in, in connecting families who are longing for a, a child to be in their house, longing to nurture, longing to raise love and support with a family that's really confused in the moment how they can. I pray, God, you'll connect those dots as only you can and continue to flourish these ministries. Thank you, God, that you made us in your image. Thank you, God, that we're valuable, not because of anything we've achieved, but because of you. Help us be all that you've called us to be and express your image in this world each and every day. Lord, as we go out these doors this morning, we know you are a God of promise, a covenant-keeping, making God. We know you're a protector, and we know you're a provider. So, Father, thank you for those things. Lead us to be all you called us to be this week and be light into a dark world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.